Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Roleplaying with Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in. Joining me right now, I got Finder. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you been? Not bad. It's been a while. It has been. Yeah. Uh, we've been a little bit, not necessarily on a hiatus, but just because of our busy schedules, we kind of decided, you know, when we have something to talk about, we'll talk about it. <laughs> and I have something to talk about. So, um, a little bit of a backstory. I was on that horrible website called Twitter, and there was a conversation that I had about, uh, well, Shadowrun, and how a lot of the community really has a love-hate relationship with it. And I thought to myself, is because it is kind of jumbly when it comes to rules. Lore-wise, it is absolutely fantastic. Rule-wise, it's jumbled up, and it got me thinking, is because the scope of the game is so grand that maybe, mechanically, it becomes detrimental to itself in order to facilitate that? Because if you think about it, like, what is it, they have three or four different types of magics, they also have, they also have hacking, which is almost an additional game inside of a game. You're able to play literally anything to your heart's imagine which sounds absolutely amazing but i'm wondering what do you sacrifice in order for that to actually occur now i don't know if finding you can think of any examples of that but do you personally think that a game with a setting having too big of a scope would be a detriment i i have mixed opinions here i believe it depends on how they implement it. And, and where I'm going with that is, I think of Traveler. Traveler is a huge game. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the biggest sandboxes, but I like the way that they've implemented it. The core rule book outlines everything you need to know to play a fun sci-fi type game. Yeah. It's got your humans, and for those that want to play an alien, they provide two alien races. They also, now this is, um, I, I have, I'd have to go back and reread the core rulebook from Mongoose uh, before the updated 2022 version. Yeah. But at least in the 2022 update version, they do say, this is going to cover the basics. This is how you play the game. And there's two aliens, because we know some people like to do alien races. So we'll give you two of those. If you want to do aliens more in your game, there's a supplement for that. And what I like about that is it gives the GM a little bit more control to say, yes, I want to, or no, I don't want to, or maybe I want to, but not yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I like the way that they kept things tight, but it is a huge system. And there's like some really awesome supplements that expand it, but you can mm -hmm. add them on when you're ready. Um, conversely, as you know, we're, we've been uh, trying to start a Savage Battlelords game. Yeah. And the thing that I struggle with there is they have 13 different species that you can play, which yeah. as a GM, that's just driving me nuts. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I don't need that many species in my game, for one. And for two, if you want to add them, that's great. But let me add them at the time that I want to. Yeah. So, um, and that's probably why I don't play Rifts, because there's just 
too much yeah. uh, for me to to feasibly wrap my head around. So maybe that's that's maybe what you're running. I've never run. I've played like two games of Shadowrun. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't have a whole lot about it other than what I've played. But I was a player and. I was given a character, uh, and it's basically roll your pool of dice. <laughs> like, okay, there I go. Um, and there, there's really no hackers going on, so I, I've not had to encounter the hacking system yet. Yeah, and that's kind of with Shadowrun, where I feel like the like the idea that they have for um, for how it works is really cool and. But the issue is, is that they wanted to feel so unique to give hackers like their own kind of self combat. But at the end of the day, it feels more disjointed from the game. But at the same time, like when I'm talking about like Shadowrun, like they have, they try and make everything feel unique, which there's nothing wrong with that. But when you do have multiple different types of magic, like as like I forget the name of all of them. But, like, for instance, you have the Adept, which f- focuses more on harnessing the physical. You got the one that's in between. Then you have the one that's mostly just pure magic user. And then you have the one that's, like, pretty much like a Technomancer, where it's, like, they just work with technology and they can hack into the web using their magic powers instead of, uh, you know... Their uh, deck? Instead, of, not instead deck of a deck. Yeah. And there's also just a lot of information. Like, I have... How many, like, I, cause, like, and just said, I, although I haven't read them in a long time, I own how many books? 17 books for Shadowrun 5th edition, including the core. That is a <laughs> lot of stuff. And true, some of them are like, you know, adventure modules and all that stuff, but there's just a lot to that game. And I now, feel like. Sorry, quick question. Are all those things that you described just a moment ago, are all those part of the core rulebook? All or part of the core rulebook, yes. Okay. okay. Yes. And then they have things like Chrome Flesh, which is, that's like one of the DLCs. Oh, not DLCs. <laughs> but that's just like, you know, it adds even more to the game. And that's mostly with, you know, the, the was it the Cybers, or God, why am I forgetting the name of them right now? Uh, the Samurais, um... Street Samurais? Hmm? The Street Samurais? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And it's just like, you know, the ones that are completely chromed out. Um, Okay. Yeah, like, you know, filled with a ton of augs, and they have a lot of different systems that play into each other. Which, it's really cool, but it's just... It's so much that I feel like, even though there's some people who are diehard fans who will be like, I absolutely love all this... And all the stuff for a new player, this is almost to the point of impo- like just being so daunting to play that it's nigh impossible. And well, not nigh impossible, but it feels nigh impossible. And that's that's kind of the issue I have with systems that have a lot of stuff, and especially add-ons upon add-ons and add-ons. Is I feel like it just becomes more and more difficult for new players to get in because they just like where do you start hell yeah. like one of my favorite actual books for it uh for Shadowrun, created an entire new way to create characters which just adds even a new <laughs> addition to it but it, it's more down like the life path type style that traveler does uh but i my curiosity is 
if you have a really detailed setting, could that potentially damage even how people will want to play the game, perceive the game, and mechanically want it to function? And this is the issue I'm kind of having with the whole scenario because, like, it's not an easy thing to really summarize. And I was struggling to even try and figure out an intro for this episode because there's so fucking much. And you brought up Battle Lords and. It kind of made me think of that because there's a lot of additional rules to Battle Lords. Fortunately, they put them all as optional. But well, did they though? Really? And this was a conversation I had with my wife earlier today. And the the one thing that pissed me off about the Battle Lords core rulebook for yeah. Savage World, Savage Battle Lords, I suppose I should say, because we do need to make sure that there's a distinction between Battle Lords and Savage Battle Lords. The Battle Lords core rulebook, I believe, is 600 pages, which to me is just <laughs> insane. I'm like, uh, and I think that's because they throw everything in there. Yep. For Savage Battle Lords, there's three different books. You have the core rulebook, you have Carnage Companion, and something about the Alliance, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but the thing that makes me mad, or the thing that upsets me as a GM is in the core rulebook, they have references to Carnage Companion and the Alliance book yeah. itself, which, okay, fine. Um, I don't mind the way... So here, here's the difference between the way Traveler did it and Battlelords did it. Traveler says, hey, here's some additional material if you want it. Mm. And this book covers this topic. This book covers this topic. This book covers this topic if you want to expand these areas. But they don't mention anything in those books within the core rulebook. Within yep. Savage Battlelords, they mention edge names that players are like, oh, hey, what's this edge do? Well, now i got to go buy another book. Or tell the player, no, we're not using that because I don't have it. And, um, I, and I could do that, right? I mean, there's nothing stopping me from doing that other than people get excited when they see things. And, and you know what? I, I noticed that too. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to kill that excitement. Um, so, so let's let's go ahead and I'll, I'll get that book. But if they'd left that reference out of the core rule book, I could have brought those other books in later if I'd wanted to. Yeah, like you don't have to take the initial investment immediately. Yeah. And I think that's actually one thing uh, Shadowrun does well is they don't necessarily reference things that are outside the book. Yeah. So I will give that plus to it. Um, also, fortunately, like there, there is some issues even with battle Lords that we're talking about with, uh, for instance, um, I can be the world's best sniper with grenades, um, since they have a long range of 2020, but <laughs> I can have that by the way, but I, I mentioned something again on Twitter and unfortunately, the devs got back to me and said, sorry, that was a mistake. And they sent me a copy of their errata notes, which I probably should send to you, actually. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I can't be the world's best sniper with grenades anymore. Well, you know, though, here's the thing, though. Rather than sending errata, why not just update the PDF on, on DriveThruRPG? <laughs> they, they, might, they might do that. They said they are working on that kind of stuff, right. but I think that's mostly for people who have physicals since you can't really uh, alter the phys physicals. Agreed, agreed. And, yeah. and I totally get the physical piece. 
but I have not seen an update come through for drive through RPG and that, they, that should have been a quick fix. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I wish they would have done that. And, and I know there's already another Kickstarter coming up. So, um, I, I'm trying to hold judgment. I, I'm trying to hold my judgment back for Savage Battle Lords. So I, I am uh, still going to run it. So we'll, we'll see how things play out. But yeah. but it, the, the thing I think, getting back on topic here, is for Shadowrun, I think, from what you're describing, that sounds like a lot for me. Yeah. Um, I think the idea, that when, when you talk about Shadowrun, the idea that I've always heard is, fantasy cyberpunk right yep. so it's your cyberpunk and you've got your elements of fantasy in it great we've got our elves we've got magic we don't need to do three different types of magic initially in the core book let's let's settle on one type of magic and then you got your hackers and because i do feel that if you're doing cyberpunk there are certain elements that are necessary for cyberpunk hacking yeah. is going to be one of them augmentation cy- uh, cyborg cybernetics type stuff that's going to be a mandatory thing as well. Um, everything else in Cyberpunk is trappings around the gear, the weapons, that sort of stuff. But you don't need to have three different sorts of magic systems in the core book to get the yeah. idea of fantasy plus Cyberpunk across. And it might be really cool to introduce that technomancy later on to say, oh, hey, this dude can do something that we've not seen before, you know what I mean? And that opens up some interesting avenues for gaming, whereas if it's there from the very beginning, it it, it kind of takes away some of the mystery of what's going on in a fantasy cyberpunk world. Yeah, no, I guess. And another thing kind of you brought up, uh, you brought up two things that actually kind of maybe something that kind of slipped into into uh into like in like puzzle to me right now is um you mentioned earlier about you know as a player you just got the stuff and as a gm you know people want to do this having a large setting with a lot of rules may be all right but the issue is is for the players it's not much of not much they just need to know what they want to do but when it comes to the gm that's all of a sudden, like, I would love to play Shadowrun. I would never, ever want to run that system, though. <laughs> like, in a million uh, years, I would never want to run it. And this comes to the other part that might be a little bit of a detriment to that, uh, to that setting that even Battle Lords, I don't feel like, has as much of an issue, at least in the Suede version. I kind of, I, I kind of want to pick up Battle Lords original not gonna yeah lie. yeah I, I do as well i, I want to yeah. see how it's handled there but um when you look at shadow run it is in my opinion trying to run as a simulation it is trying to simulate the game and that's why you have these massive dice pools that's why you have all these different equipment that's why you have all these different things because like lore wise the different magics make sense and character creation wise, all those, the magics, how they work all make sense because they do theirs on a point by system, like using call or not point by, but using columns like ABCD and you can only pick on each one a specific amount, blah, blah, blah. But 
And it makes sense why they have it, but it's just because they try and simulate so much of it. It's just everything becomes so cumbersome and almost, uh, almost a little bit too difficult to manage. And I don't know. I just think, especially trying to do fantasy as a simulation, on top of it being cyberpunk, it's just so many elements to it that are just would be so hard to really run. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Rifts, Um, whether it's Savage World Rifts or Palladium Rifts. I don't care. I have no desire to run that game. Um, I'd be interested in playing, but no desire to run the game. It's just, (laughs) it's a daunting task to me to think about how big that system is. And when, when the concept of Rifts, I think is fascinating, right? The fact that, You can play anything that you want is fascinating. But then I'm like, then I run into the same problem that I have with superheroes, I guess. And that is, how do I tell an interesting story for superheroes? Um, I I just, I I have a hard time coming up with superhero stories. I I love superheroes. I love comics. I I love the the superhero movies. But... I I know that I'm going to struggle coming up with challenging combats, knowing that combat is one of the things that gamers enjoy in TTRPGs. That's not to yeah. say it's the only thing or the most important thing, but coming up with um, interesting and challenging combat scenarios is difficult for me with, with uh, supers. And I feel from what you're describing, that that may also be part of the problem with Shadowrun is, and I suppose, I think, and I've talked a little bit about this in the past as well, but I think one of the core difficulties with cyberpunk as a TTRPG genre is when you look at all the literature, the literature is team-based, it's small team-based, But they're all working independently as well. Like the hacker is not on site with your with your street samurai, um, going toe to toe with the security guards. The hacker yeah. is off site doing their job, taking down um, the the security systems and all that sort of stuff. Your toughs are the ones fighting the the physical uh, challenges and. Your, your face guy is the one that's brokering the deals and, and trying to sneak you past and get the plan so that it's less combat-y. But yeah. in, in TTRPGs, people don't like splitting the party. No, and, and so you're, you're going to have your hacker running around with your street samurais. Now you're in a fight. What's that hacker going to do? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That's actually kind of a big issue I find with a lot of ga- like, And I think that's why a lot of people stick to fantasy because it has tropes and the tropes are well-defined, and the tropes really, from system to system, setting to setting, if it's a purely set, uh, you know, fantasy-style game, it doesn't necessarily change. You will always have team members together. Like, you look at, uh, you look at any of the ones that have come out, and, again, like, you look at Morkborg, yeah, you're supposed to stay together. You look at D&D, you're supposed to stay together. You look at, uh, I'm, I, I don't, not, uh, okay, I'm going to just say it. If you look at Shadow Dark, it's, again, you always stay together. <laughs> you always stay together in all those games. And it it's something that's not only easy 
for the like for trip for the players it's also something that makes it a lot easier for the gms because they don't have to be thinking of multiple different scenarios and set and what exactly is happening with every single issue and yeah i remember even um when we did our cyberpunk game using cyberpunk red like i had a blast doing it but i remember that what our first combat I did not participate at all. I paid people to start a fight in an alley um, <laughs> in order to cause a distraction to allow you guys to do your job, which worked out very well. Yeah. But you also, I knew going into it, being that face, that when it came to combat, I'm probably going to step away from scenario and be more of just a listener than a player like i did get into a little bit of combat but i made sure to skirt around the edges as much as fucking possible which may have made that experience during that time a little bit more boring like i still had fun listening to you guys but i mean for like the general general group uh i think some people would get a lot more or a lot of people would get bored knowing that they're not really useful in combat Yes. Well, and, and, you know, I think that's, that's where you need to know, or, or at least the group needs to understand what the tropes of the game are yep. and what role are you planning on playing in that? And are you okay if you're playing a trope that's going to be excluded during large sections? So, for example, your combat monkeys may not be participating anywhere when you're doing the face stuff or when they're doing the hacking and are they okay just sitting around waiting for that part to get over with? Yeah. And if they are, that's great. Um, when I was running Coriolis with my, with my kids, they, there were times when they would completely split the party. I'm like, you guys are non-traditional, which I think is great. Yep. But my, my son and my daughter were happy just sitting around watching the alleyway while the other two infiltrated the building and were trying to get the plans and, and ended up having all the fights and, and they were okay with that. They knew what it was going to entail. And as a GM, you still try to get people engaged and you try to to do that to some degree. But I, I, I feel that with cyberpunk, those opportunities are much harder to do if you're doing a traditional, like I'm the hacker, I'm not there. I am, doing this and how do you keep the hacker engaged uh while the combat's going on and you want to and, and that's also why people don't like splitting the party is i want to be yeah. part of the action but i don't know it's well just... and kind of ironic and not to plug uh scott's game but even scott's cyberpunk thing i feel like he actually handled how um how actually the hacker probably would function because when we put pl- when we're play testing it uh, the one person who played the hacker on her first combat, she was not even. She was she was at home, like in game. She was in her character's house, but she was pretty much hacked because it's all digital at that point. There's smart shit. There's chips and everything. She was doing her stuff through the pretty much that way. So we all knew. Or it's funny because we actually didn't know about her at that time. It was just all of a sudden the car door would pop out, like the locked door on that van that we need to get into popped open and we're like oh shit and then we heard a voice and we're like what the fuck is this voice and we just kept on going and it was a lot of fun for a character that wasn't even there but it still felt like 
they were participating at with the group and with the party and i think that's kind of that might be my biggest issue with Shadowrun, is the fact that the hacker feels like someone who is completely separate. Are they helping out? Yes, they are, but they don't feel like they're do part of the group. They feel like they're kind of just side character doing their own thing because of how the rules are set up with Black Ice and with the hacking and being in a virtual world. So they're still not really there, and they're doing their own thing instead of being part of the group I, I, I see, that's, how, that's how it should be now if the group if the hacker is okay with that yeah uh, that that's cool if they're not then they shouldn't be playing a hacker the hacker should be an npc at that point yeah no and oh, to be honest I, i've played in one shadow run game i haven't played in many um but the first thing that we were told by the gm was uh nobody make a hacker character we're not we're not i'm not doing that because <laughs> I'm more like, oh no! And he's like, no, I I hate it. I find it so unfun to have a hacker in there. It slows everything down, and I just I I I don't like it. I was like, oh, okay, I get you because I started reading the rules on how to be a hacker, and I realized very quickly I'm not going to be a hacker. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, and and that's the the sad thing is I like playing the hacker type. Yeah. Um, I, I find those types of characters fun and interesting uh even though i do like combat i mean i i'm a big combat player and and that to me is like most of the fun of of gaming but when it comes to cyberpunk i do like playing the hack yeah i i feel like that's kind of like how why me and you work uh when we're playing together is i'm i'm the person who i'm happy to sit back and be like um no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> you can go do that. How many games have we played where my character's just been like, that's not my job. Back the fuck away. <laughs> backing up, backing up. Yep. <laughs> well, I can see that they offer those kind of rules, but if it if it comes to the detriment of the GM, it's like... Agreed. Yeah. And I think that but... might be the biggest issue is just with... When it comes to scope, it's never bad for the players. It's just bad for the guy who's running the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, agreed. And that's kind of what I'm feeling with Battle Lords at the moment is there are things that I'm looking at going, okay, I'll need to keep this in mind. And, and with all the different species, uh, I, I definitely need to keep all that stuff in mind. Um, yeah. And what they what they can or can't do. I, I think that's the biggest problem. And especially when I play on a VTT, yeah. I have a hard time using paper. So I, I don't. <laughs> Whereas yeah. like back in the day, I would have my notes, I would have the notebooks all out, and I'd have all my stuff written down. And, and can I do that? I, I can do that somewhat on a VTT, yes. I can create journal entries and, and all that. It's more work um, to do, yeah. and I've just gotten really lazy in my old age to where I don't do it as much. <laughs> Most of the games I run anymore are just completely off the cuff anymore because I'm just I, – I may look at a module. I may look at something to get some ideas for the way a plot might go um, or an adventure might go, and if I can have a map, great. But more and more, I'm getting to the point where it's like, eh, I'll just make stuff up on the fly. 
Yeah, you know, like I, I'm, I'm GM wise. I'm a narrative GM. I really don't like having uh, miniatures out and maps and everything like that because I find it makes everything a lot more static. And actually, I recently had one of my players uh, tell me he's like the only thing he would change about our game is if we had a map and miniatures on the table to keep track of things in him. It kind of made me think actually on my own GMing and how especially and this might be more of like a dungeon world issue because of how it is is but fantasy games tend to have a lot of different creatures all on the board at the same time positioning is a little bit more important which I know when it comes to PPTAs you're supposed to narrate that stuff but it doesn't always work for a lot of people and especially when you have a lot of working puzzles like a bunch of working pieces going on at the same time a lot of people will get lost yeah and i'm kind well, of i think even the gm does i i truly believe the gm forgets i mean have you ever tried playing a game of chess without a chess board um it's hard no i haven't but i got a game of go <laughs> see uh, i have i have not done a game of chess without the chess board because i cannot keep in my hem in my head that my pawn is at queen two and their pawn is at, uh, I don't even know how you specify the knights, right? Um, yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe it's black knight or white knight based on what square they're on. But even then it's like keeping track of the pawns in your head is difficult and that's merely moving. Yeah. Whereas in a combat, you now are trying to narrate, well, they did this, and they did this, and they did this, and, and this one did that, and trying to keep all that in the GM's head while they're also trying to keep track of all the players, it gets hard. And so even with, like, Forbidden Lands, where we have been doing a lot of um, theater of the mind combat, I will throw tokens on the, on the VTT just so I can keep track of, mm -hmm. okay, these combatants are facing this character these combatants are facing this character and even though it's not gridded and there's no picture other than whatever i have as a splash page it at least allows me to keep in mind that there are four people on this one character there's one on this other character and there's two on this other character yeah because keeping all that stuff in my head <laughs> while trying to narrate a cool action scene just is impossible for me anymore no, and I, I get that too. For me, I'm like, I the small details like that, I don't necessarily care if someone has a cool idea that they want to do. Uh, I'll ask them, I was like, well, where would you be right now compared to your last position? They'll be like, well, I'd probably be right behind them. I'm like, well, then that's where you are. I have, I have no issue switching. And I remember, like, because I usually have a whiteboard just with a kind of general layout of. I guess you could say the battle map just so that they can get some ideas and so that I can roll. But I remember this half the wall got blown up down the dead center and they're like, well, what side am I on? And I was like, well, would you have gone, would you have been on the left side or the right side? And I just ask them flat out and I say, okay, if you're on the left side, uh, raise your hand. If you're on the right side, raise your hand. And like that, that's, that's all I really care about. And cause at the end of the day, I'm trying to tell I, it's a story, but 
it's up to the players to really kind of decide where they want to be at the time, as long as it makes sense. Now, if they're all of a sudden like, no, I'm 50 feet in front because this, I'm like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. I'll pull it out. But as long as it makes some logical sense, I have no issue with where they place it. But this kind of comes down to Cyberpunk and more specifically Shadowrun again, how there's so much to it. But again, it's still in a grid based map, which. I feel like just kind of overcomplicates things and kind of takes away from the idea of splitting the party and doing this and doing that. And yes, you could probably play it without a map pretty easily too, but I still don't think they split the party. No, I don't think they would either. I I run into that issue right now in Traveler where uh, our our group is now granted, we've had some bad experiences with splitting the party, but there are still times when I think, naturally people split parties. Yeah. Like, you know what? You guys, you go into that library and do your research. My character is an idiot. Literally, he's got like an, a six intellect and a six education. He, he's not the, bright, the brightest knife in the drawer, right? He's, he is designed for combat. And he's not going to stand around while you guys work. <laughs> like, I'm no. sorry. You guys do that, I'll go off and I'll scout around. And when I happen to be away, that's when some things moved in and attacked us, but it's like still. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, Gamers I'm, are just a versus splitting party. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like they're, I, I think it also kind of comes down to, you know, like you said, with the tropes, because I'm wondering now, it's about splitting the party. If you're playing a game where you told the people, this game is not about combat. You guys are international thieves. And this game is about the heist. I wonder how many people in that case, knowing with that in mind, would have no quarrels about splitting the party. Like, Question. just a thought. Yeah. Well, you, you know, and that, that's where I find uh, Blades in the Dark somewhat interesting i i would be interested to play blades in the dark i don't know that i want to run it yet uh just from what i've seen for wicked ones and i know that wicked ones <laughs> is, is a forged in the dark game yeah but I, i'd I, be interested in playing because it sounds like they do heists in an interesting way because all of the planning all of that stuff is is kind of hand waved and is what it sounds like. I, I will say from reading Wicked Ones to reading Blades in the Dark, uh, I think Blades in the Dark has a way better flow to it. Okay. Wicked Ones, I feel like a lot of it, like, it, I'm not saying it's a bad game. Uh, I think it's just a game that uh, has a lot in it which just kind of makes it a little bit more difficult because you think about it, it's like, oh, you're just monsters in a dungeon and you're kind of playing, uh, you know, Dungeon Keeper pretty much. But then there's the whole RP aspect, which kind of adds a little bit of difficulty because we're not playing humanoids, which uh, I'm just going to throw to an old episode that we did on how we always people always <laughs> just try and play humans. Um, <laughs> shout out to uh, Salty. <laughs> that one. But um. But the premise itself, it's almost a little bit more difficult for people to really kind of grasp. Well, if you look at Blades in the Dark, 
yeah, okay, you know what? It's kind of steampunky kind of feel to it. Kind of still fa- still fantasy, but it's only just humans and the world's pretty much gone to shit and there's demons and there's a thing. But at the end of the day, it that game is pretty much just a gangster movie whether it comes in the form of heist cultist or whatever which i know gangster cults but uh but at the end of the day it's familiar enough and flow has a certain rhythm to it that is very easy to understand for an average player so i would say blades in the dark of course does blades in the dark better while you know wicked ones it does what it's supposed to be simulating, which is just not something that's familiar to a majority of the group of people. And even like, cause how, besides that one video game, you don't play the monster in almost everything, unless it's something that's very kind of one dimensional. Generally you don't RP as the monsters in a dungeon. You don't generally, you don't see movies that you can relate to the monsters in the dungeon. You don't see those things as front and center so you just don't have as many personal references that you can really take from to play that game and i think that was our biggest issue it's just where do you get the references to how to play yeah well and and i think also we tend to not think of humans as monsters we are the worst monsters i mean i i have played a game where we were every bit the monster. I mean, we, we had a Deadlands game. This was like one of the funnest Deadlands campaigns that I've played. The GM absolutely hated the campaign. And he <laughs> hated the campaign because we, we, we designed the game like we're outlaws. We are going to be outlaws. And we did the outlaw thing and we did it horrifically. Yeah. Um, we, we were leaning into this is horror old West and we're the bad guys. And we were horrible people. The yeah. characters were absolutely atrocious. So bad. It, the funny thing was, um, the GM was literally actively trying to kill us because he hated the game. <laughs> and so he, he sent things at us that were just absolutely insane he ended up killing us, and what made us laugh even more is our characters were so bad that he's like, okay. So in, in Deadlands Classic, I don't know if you know this, but in Deadlands Classic, to become harrowed, you had to die. Yeah. And then you had to draw a joker from a, from a deck of cards. So whenever you died, you shuffle a deck of cards, and you draw a card, and um, if you got a joker, you came back harrowed. That was the only way to be harrowed in, in Deadlands Classic. Yeah, we uh, we were so bad. The GM was like, "Okay, you know what? You guys were actively helping the Reckoners, whether you know it or not, because <laughs> you were just, we, we, I mean, we we did some horrific stuff. Yeah, I, I won't go into, but it was just horrible. And he's like, "You were actively helping the Reckoners, so you guys can each draw three cards to see if you get a Joker." Both of so my character and the other player, we drew our three cards, and both of us drew both jokers. <laughs> and I was like, or uh, the GM was like, "Damn it! <laughs> Why did I give that option?" 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely. But I mean, the fact that we both drew two two of our cards out of three were jokers. Yeah, and the fact that that happened to us twice. It doesn't matter how many. If we draw one card, we were drawing that joker. It doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> but, but it was absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean that there was was a monster game. We we were the monsters, and even we were the monsters before we even became Harold, which is a whole another level of monster. But I, I think uh, you, you're right. I think people have a hard time thinking in terms of what would this type of beast do. The, the other problem I think is the game used like Wicked Ones does use things like orcs as monsters, but Orcs as monsters are also playable races in, in a lot of fantasy games now. Same thing yeah. with goblins. And so are they really viewed as monsters anymore? And so it's like, your monsters, live up, the, live up to the monster code, but I'm playing a race that I can play in any fantasy game that's not a monster. So it's, it's kind of rough. Yeah. No, I definitely get you on that. And like, I think, I think we, did we do an episode on this where we are talking about unplayable uh settings i thought we did we might have and it kind of comes into that it's just like we're coming full circle now and it's just like sometimes it's like a setting is just it's too much or too unique to properly be able to play without it being extremely daunting yeah yeah and i i would put wicked ones as one of those ones where it's just it's just almost a little daunting to play a full campaign or game on that without kind of feeling disconnected from it. Well, so, and, and you know, I think I'd do things differently if we were to do it again. I think rather than having all of us design the map together, I'd come with a pre-drawn map yeah. and then just have you guys populate the factions. Say, so, okay, well, these are the... It'd be like a blank map of an area which isn't going to be as fun for you because I think de- developing the map was a big part of the fun for the players. In, I would in say that was actually the most fun part of the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but, but it also didn't allow us to get into the other parts because that, that did take a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, and I, I am not the best at reining people in to say, okay, let's move on and let's, let's, we're going to stop our design now and we'll move to the next section. Um, so, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Wicked Ones, I, I, I don't think that I gave it a fair shake, um, so I may have to go back to it at some point, yeah. but at the same time, I also know, uh, in talking with my son, his big thing was, he's like, yeah, I'm, I, I prefer to play a hero, I, I don't want to play the monster. <laughs> so that, I think that was part of his struggle with, with the game as well. Was he wanted to be the good guy in the group? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I get that, I get that. And I can definitely see that with him. But it just makes sense with his personality. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So but yeah, I I think um I, I think there are some settings that are too big. And like you said, Shadowrun is one that I would not want to GM. I would not want to GM riffs. Um y- you know. There, there are other, other games that I think fall into this category, but for different reasons. Like, I, I would not want to run Star Wars. I would not want to run Lord of the Rings. 
Um, I would not want to run Wheel of Time. Um, and I, I realize that Wheel of Time is not a setting any longer. It, it was under, is it second edition D&D? Or third edition? It could have been third edition D&D. But, I, I mean, settings that come in with a bunch of pre-written lore or pre-written stories like Star yeah. Wars. If I'm running Star Wars, I'm not running Luke Skywalker. I'm not running um, Han Solo or any of those characters that are the stars of the entire universe. You know what I mean? They're, they are the ones that are going to be the game changers of this universe. And so it's hard for me to wrap my head around what's a good story that I could tell for people who aren't the center of, of the story. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. That does make sense. Um, and I agree. It's sometimes shit. It's just like it. And I'm having like a, like I'm sounds weird, but I'm almost having a trouble like discussing this because we're talking very broad scopes here and it's not something that, can easily be defined like i love very detailed settings but there's a lot of very detailed settings that i would just never want to play because it almost feels too difficult to play well i guess the the detail we need to distinguish though between detailed settings and complex settings yeah no that's shadow run shadow run sounds detailed and complex um i would say it, the it, mechanically it's complex it makes sense setting-wise. Well, it can make sense setting-wise, but then that's why I mean it gets into you can have a detailed setting. Yeah. But are there ways that they could have done the other details differently so that it's not as complex? Could they have done hacking differently so that it doesn't overwhelm uh, the player and/or GM? Is there a way that they could have done the magic? slightly differently um are there ways that they could have toned things down with savage battle lords my biggest issue right now and, and this this sounds stupid right I, I recognize that but 13 races to me is just too many in a core book yeah and, and i realize that it's coming from a predefined or pre-configured setting um and so, to your point, if we did that and we didn't include all the races that people want, um, is that going to upset folks? Maybe. Um, so I, I understand that aspect of it. But at the same time, it looks like they, from what I've seen on the wiki, it looks like they may have made things different as well because the 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 rabbit one, the fought or the whatever they call it. I know, um, yeah. It looks like in the original setting, those were considered an enemy race or an enemy species. And so they've modified things enough to where that is at least a playable race now. And maybe it was in the original, right? I don't know. All I, all I have to go on at the moment is what I've read on the wiki a little bit. Yeah. And uh, admittedly, I, I've only glanced at that. So perhaps I misunderstood it. But in the idea that I was picking up from the wiki was that that was one of the enemy sorts of species. But I still, I still struggle with, you don't need that many species in a core book. Um, 
if you want to have that many species, have a different book for that, <laughs> that, that brings in all the different species. And I know that, you, that that's where you and I go back to this. That's the microtransaction um, model. Yeah, but TTRPGs, in my opinion, have been microtransactions from the very beginning because you have with Dungeons and Dragons, then you had modules that you could buy. You had yeah. additional monster manuals that you could buy. You had Unearthed Arcana. You had you get into the second edition, and now you've got the complete Fighter's Handbook, the complete Psionis' Handbook, the complete Thieves' Handbook, the complete Ranger's yeah. Handbook, the complete this, the complete that. So the microtransaction has always been there from a TTRPG perspective, and I had no problems with it because we could bring things in as we felt the need and or desire. I, it I, wasn't part of the core book. I would like to say that you're, what you're talking about is more of like the DLC type style, microtransaction. Yeah. Is nickel yeah, yeah, diving yeah, like what I believe D and D one D one one D what they're D V T T. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Um, what I believe that they'll do. That's a different, a whole different topic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which you th you're a little bit more and, and that could be. for it, and I'm a little bit more um, optimistic. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe that's because I ignore <laughs> microtransactions. I mean, I, I will I will download games and not buy anything else because it's like I don't need that. But yeah, it, it's, yeah. Okay. But I, I like the fact that there could be options there. Okay, my the, we're getting way off topic with this one. My issue <laughs> with microtransactions right now, why I think that D and D their VTT is going to be absolutely is when you look at how a lot of video games and how a lot of mobile games, which I have a feeling is what they're going to be drawing a lot more inspiration from, run is they don't the content that they're adding is not necessarily content but things that you can tell have been cut out of the game to make your experience lesser unless you actually pay for it and that's the issue i'm i'm having with uh with dean with the dnd &D and what i feel like they're going to be doing is they're going to be taking out these things that you would just assume should be in it because it makes sense and instead they're going to be cutting it out day one in order to tell you you have to have uh, a subscription model that is this expensive compared to the one that's less expensive in order to have this feature that you would think like i wouldn't be surprised if they have on if they have oh you're only allowed to be in one single game at the at one time unless you have this subscription right here then you can be in three different games and you can have you know you can even do character creation and keep these characters in a in a digital vault and you can make multiple characters only if you have this subscription that's what i feel like they're probably going to end up doing that's that's my worry for it and i know it sounds absolutely crazy but we're already seeing this stuff in the digital sphere well that's not completely crazy and the reason i'm going to say that and and perhaps again this is where i'm somewhat already part of that world but that's how roll 20 is i mean roll 20 gives you a vtt where you can roll dice and you can do your characters and all that sort of stuff if you want dynamic lighting you have to have this subscription level if you want to be able to have apis 
to enhance the game even more, then you have to have this other subscription level. Um, if you have the compendiums, uh, you can share it with so many games. Um, and if you want to share it with more games, then you have to increase your subscription level. Um, but a lot of those things aren't for enhancing. I'm not talking about enhancing. I'm saying basic quality of life things that will be cut out in order to profit from it. And I know you're like, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just like we've seen this within the digital sphere where, and you smart companies who have made games for a long fucking time get greedy, not because they think it's the best solution, but it's the best solution for the shareholders. Because at the end of the day, this is a, like, that is going to be ran yeah. by Hasbro. And if it's not make, and if they see that it's not making enough money, they'll probably end up just cutting it off as a tax write off, cut the whole thing, say, sorry, you guys spent this money, but too bad. And be able to reduce their taxes so that they'll end up being good. Cause they'll just be like the resources not worth it. It's yeah. not worth having it. It's just another thing that we have to keep track of. We don't want to deal with it. So that, here, here's to, to bring us back on topic, though. <laughs> here's the question: Could Shadowrun be more easy, or could it more easily be run on a VTT where things could be automated? Would that make oh, the hundred percent easier? Uh, and I does that change the does that change your dynamic of the game that that it might not be? a love-hate relationship if it went purely VTT. I, I think if it went purely VTT, uh, or they, I don't think, I don't think any tabletop game should ever go purely VTT. Agreed, I agree. Uh, but I think, especially with any kind of simulation game, or any game with a lot of mechanics and rules, if you were able to, because usually when there's a ton of rules, you already know what you're going to be doing, and how, what the outcomes could potentially be. I think those games actually play out way better in a VTT than on the table. Like, uh, look at, um, what is it? Rollmaster? Rollmaster? The one I'm thinking of? Uh, probably. You can uh, about the one with all the, like, the hundreds yeah. of tables for every single thing. That game, playing in person, would be an absolute ni- nightmare for about 90% of the people. There'll be 10% of the people who say, no, this is my jam on table. But if that was then translated into a VTT where a lot of that stuff was handled back end, like the hit location, everything like that, it probably would play better and be way more engaging on VTT for almost every single person. And they would probably say, this is my jam because they've only played it on VTT and they would probably think it's the best system. And I think that kind of comes down to it is with the games that have a high degree of complexity where everything is codified and turned into mechanics all those ones will always be better when it comes to game flow on a VTT yeah yeah except for and, the GM who's just to set everything up <laughs> well as long as they built as long as built like properly and uh, so that you know you didn't have, like the GM like you had to set up everything for battle lords just to make it work on the VTT, but you gotta admit, if everything was already built into the VTT and you didn't have to worry about it, 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 it there would have been no issue whatsoever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I really wish they'd already come out with the foundry modules for it, and I, they would have. Even though my my opinion of the game is still undecided, 
uh, to some degree. I would have thrown more money at it if I could have purchased the foundry modules for it to, to yeah. get it set up easy. I'm, I'm lazy like, like that. Yeah, because like um, I'm just taking a look and it's like they have uh, on Foundry they have a full setup for Shadowrun uh, that is managed by uh, that's actively developed and maintained. I don't know if it's by fans or whatnot. Uh, Roll20 has 5th has edition and 6th edition all in their uh, VTT and I have a feeling probably would be a lot easier to play. Like, I think the GM would still need to know a lot about when the rules roles play and all that. Yeah, jazz, yeah. But I think a lot of it would be streamlined because of that. Yeah, agreed. Oh. Ironically enough, the game with the highest amount of technology probably would work better on a newer, ver- newer style of playing tabletop, which is with technology. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is no games that uh, setting overreaches one setting is too large with mechanics intertwined. It gets too difficult. I think it just you need more technology to make it work or a lot more spreadsheets. Really, you can make everything work. And I shouldn't say one thing or another, and I know I'm kind of going back on it. I think you've kind of convinced me that there is no games that are too large in scope it's just how they are facilitated yeah the complexity of the of the rules themselves and 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 i will i mean i think you're not i I don't think you're wrong i think that there are games that are too complex but it's going to be determined by the gm if it's too complex i I can tell you right now rifts is too complex i'm not going to run that (laughs) i'm not going to run it i'm not going to run shadow run um I I will if I'm going to do Cyberpunk, I'm probably going to play it in Savage Worlds. Um, I could do Neon Blood because Scott did a great job with boiling it down to simple mechanics for 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 Neon Blood. So it's either going to be Savage Worlds or Neon Blood. If he does the if he converts it to Year Zero, I would definitely do Year Zero because Year Zero is a great system. Hmm. Um, and I could see that having a really cool way to to manage hacking uh to some degree mm-hmm. but uh th- there are some like I, I i need to get in and i need to read black void because that setting fascinates me <laughs> i've not read the rules to know if i can run it yet but it it it, it almost sounds a little daunting because the the setting is fairly broad in scope i mean it's 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 got some rich detail in it and it seems really big but um i'm really hoping that i can can run that someday i just need to read the rules and see if i can no that's fair that's fair yeah i'm trying to i'm sorry i'm just trying to put a thought into my head but i'm kind of i kind of lost it because you're talking i was like what you're saying is making sense Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Yeah, I, I'm honestly I'm super curious to see how our Battle Lords game goes. I'm still super, super curious, and maybe I'm gonna reach out actually to the devs of Battle Lords and see how um see their thoughts on the Well, of course they're gonna love their setting if they don't 
their their setting because if they don't, then something's terribly <laughs> wrong. But I'd love I'd love to see even how uh, how it was trying to convert over their setting to something completely different and the difficulties, challenges, and all that. Maybe I'll try and get that set that up because that would actually be yeah. really cool to hear. That that could be a fun a fun conversation. Yeah, like and, I said, I, just from what I've seen, there are things that I still feel uh, probably need a little bit more work. Yeah, um, no, and I agree with that. And I'm still upset that my uh, grenade throwing sniper idea <laughs> is defunct because they got back to me on that. Why couldn't you just let me live in bliss? <laughs> Uh, don't worry, you don't need to blame them because I would not have let you do that. Well, <laughs> as a GM, I would have adjudicated. Nope, that is a typo. That should be twenty. Because <laughs> no, I know how rages work in, in Savage Worlds. <laughs> 2020, bro. <laughs> not thinking about low gravity. Uh, well, there are generally rules for low gravity, though. Don't ruin my bubble. <laughs> But on that note, folks, I think that's all the time we had for today. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, hopefully, we'll have another. We'll have hop on our Discord, start up a conversation. That way, we'll put more episodes out because you know the more times we have a conversation about shit, the more often we're going to actually start discussing it again. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you guys all for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which was definitely a little bit more unique. Uh, it was from a very talented creator. Uh, and if you haven't listened to that one yet, I highly recommend it because it was a blast to listen to myself. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm going to go watch Elvira because it is October and I watch horror movies every single day on in October. Have a good can one, Elvira, Can Elvira be considered horror? Well, no, okay. There's, there's okay. <laughs> not really, but we always watch it. Uh, and for people who are wondering, it's October 1st right now, and it's just kind of a tradition. Uh, there's two different, there's comedy horror, and then there's horror. <laughs> uh, and I like to have a mixture of different types of quote-unquote horror, uh, because it's just a lot more fun. Like, if you just always watch nothing but, like, the most, like, dark horror shit you're going to get tired of it so you got to mix in like i think after this we're going to be watching uh trick or treat and then after that slacks which slacks is about ai controlled genes that fit perfectly to uh, the human body uh and they've gone insane and they started murdering people in a store which sounds horrible but it also sounds absolutely amazing <laughs> <laughs> but anyways folks uh, i'll see you again next well Maybe next week. I think we might have an episode for next week. Dun, dun, dun. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>